This show and all the content on All About Beer is able to come to you each week, thanks to the companies that support our journalism through advertising. If your company is thinking about 2023 media plans, we have options for every budget. Email info at allaboutbeer.com to learn more. And thanks for the support and keeping us on air and online. This is Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall, and this is our annual Thanksgiving Day show, where we talk about the intersection of great beer and food. And my guests are Jesse Massey of Sierra Nevada and Josh Thompson of The Lodge at Woodlock in the Pocono Mountains. And we'll get into it all in a moment. But first, All About Beer is back online and producing original content for beer enthusiasts and professionals. Go visit allaboutbeer.com to see the latest. And if you want to support us in that endeavor, we've even set up a Patreon for both readers and professional companies in the beer space. Go check out patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to learn more. And for additional audio content, search All About Beer on your podcast platform of choice, and you can listen to the shows that are now available, including Beer Travelers, which just went to Brooklyn, the All About Beer podcast, which is about to explore Kolsch, and the Brewer to Brewer podcast. We're able to bring you this show each week thanks to the companies that support independent journalism in the beer space. You can learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates by emailing info at allaboutbeer.com. And speaking of that, this episode is brought to you by Pro Brewer. We're bringing original articles to probrewer.com twice a week, covering issues that are important to the beer industry and aimed at helping breweries of all sizes understand the different facets of the business. Check out our articles on probrewer.com every Tuesday and Thursday and visit the site daily for other original content and to stay connected with the beer industry. This episode is releasing on the day before Thanksgiving, and it is an exploration of all things good when it comes to prepping for the feast, finding the right beer, tips for cooking with beer, and pairing suggestions. My guests are Jessie Massey. She is the executive chef of the Tap Room at Sierra Nevada Brewing Company in Mills River, North Carolina. She has a passion for locally sourced ingredients and enjoys cooking with beer. She found her love of cooking in her mom and grandmother's kitchens, where she grew up cooking, preserving, and enjoying Appalachian fare. Jessie left the mountains of Western North Carolina to attend Le Cordon Bleu College of Culinary Arts in Austin, Texas, and she helped open and has managed the Taproom Kitchen at Sierra Nevada Brewing Company since 2016. In her time in the Taproom, she developed her expertise of cooking with beer and brewer ingredients while pursuing her passion for locally sourced ingredients. And Josh Thompson is currently the creative culinary director at The Lodge at Woodlock, a destination spa in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. He is a passionate chef, classically trained, with a strong love of good craft beer and the artistry that goes into each recipe. They both joined me via Zoom a few days before the turkey hit the table. Here's our conversation. Jesse, I want to start with you. Is there a pairing, a beer and food pairing that you had at some point in your career that just sort of made you sit back from the table a little bit in, in wonder and delight? Well, you know, uh, recently I was working with uh, Arturo Fido IPA here, and it's a super hot forward um, IPA. And I was trying it with some different foods because I was trying to work on a pairing. And we had a beet, citrus, and fennel salad on the menu at that time. 
And I tried it with that salad and I was actually a little bit shocked because I didn't expect it to be such a good pairing. But the citrus notes really worked with the citrus hops in the beer. The earthy beets kind of just kind of melted away some of that hoppiness and calmed the bitterness of the beer. It was really palate cleansing at the same time. Almost the, the salad acted like a palate cleanser for the perfume idea. Really? That's cool. I mean, IPA is so versatile when, especially like the old West Coast IPA, uh, and I shouldn't even call it old, but the West Coast IPA um, is really so versatile. And I love that it it still continues to uh, surprise and delight um, pairing wise. And I, I want to talk more about IPA in a minute, but but Josh, is there, same question, first question to you is, is there a pairing that you once ran across that you were just surprised and delighted by? Well, you know, I really enjoy drinking all varieties of saisons, and I really like pairing food with the saison. But, um, you know, coming into the holidays, last year I tried a turkey liver pate, and it was just a really, really interesting combination of fla- flavors, having like the nice uh, herbal background of the saison and the, all the notes that it has. So I think that uh, really works really well. I dig that. Um, yeah. And again, we'll, we'll talk about the, the holidays as well. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to sort of get into because um, this is that fun time of year where we really get to think about um, good food and good drinking and, and good company and how, and how they all kind of go together. Um, so Jesse, I, I've had the, the privilege of, of being at Malt Disney World a couple of times mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I, and, and, and experiencing the, the, the kitchen and, um, drinking all of the, all, all of the great beers. And because it is a tourist destination, I imagine that folks are a little bit more willing to try different things, both beer wise, and then maybe also food wise. And, and I wonder how the kitchen approaches beer and food pairings. You know, you were talking about torpedo before and trying to find a new pairing. So, is that something that you all do regularly? And if so, what's the process like? Um, we do it uh, regularly to kind of help our servers recommend beers, because like you said, we do get all kinds of clientele or guests here at the brewery. And we get folks that are really beer enthusiasts. And then we have folks that are with them that really aren't huge, that this is a first experience for them. So a lot of things that I like to do is focus on three different kinds of pairings so that you can suggest depending on what the guest's needs and wants are. There's contrast, complementary, and palate cleansing. So the people that are there to really try something uh, exciting and and they love the IPAs and they, they're down for anything. So those contrast and complementary pairings work really well. But for the folks that aren't really sure, I find that if you give them something like say a pellel and a fatty dish and it cleanses their palate and it's a little bit more of it, smoother experience they enjoy that as well um that's kind of how we how we look at it a lot of the times and we do some uh pretty fancy things too like actual uh beer dinners where we people buy tickets and that's when we really dive deep into the beer and talking about the notes and actually going out to the table and having our brewers there to talk about it as well is there i guess so i guess it's sort of in stages right where you can be, can you be a little bit more adventurous at beer dinners? We can. Food-wise? Um, yes. A lot of the times we'll even work with uh, Scott. He's our uh, kind of head of brewing over here on this side of the coast. 
And we'll actually design beers and food at the same time together and talk about what we want to do. So that's kind of exciting because we're, you know, building something from the scratch up. And then sometimes we'll say, okay, we have this fantastic beer. What are the hops that went into it? Because, you know, when you're looking at a beer and you're looking at the contrast and the flavors of foods, you know, the malt and the Maillard reaction and the toastiness of whatever happened from the malt and start to finish is kind of similar to when you're searing a piece of meat. And then you have all the awesome uh, floral and herb and citrus notes of the hops. So we look at all that stuff and think, what can we complement from this? And what is, or on the other end, what contrasts with this and really bring those flavors out? Josh, I wanted to ask you because I, I've been to um, Woodlock several times and uh, had some beer dinners with you. Um, but it is still a, a very uh, wine centric centric place. Right. And I, I wonder sort of the challenges that you have when it comes to putting on a beer dinner um, or even just encouraging beer as regular part of service when, you know, folks who visit are you know, not necessarily in a, in a beer mindset. That's a great question. Um, I try to like, similar to what Jesse said, you know, I try to, for myself, I like to build menus around like the elements of taste. So um, incorporating flavors like sweet, salty, sour, bitterness, and umami flavors. You know, it kind of draws in the palate and creates a memorable pairing for the guest. But uh, as you mentioned with the wine pairings, I think uh, beers is gaining a lot more ground these days. And with all the excellent craft breweries all around the world, you know, people are starting to see it and starting to enjoy beer more as a whole. Yeah. Um, are there... Are, are, are there... Are there tips that you've learned over the years of, cause I think, you know, when people get together on, on Thanksgiving, there's going to be, you know, folks who are expecting, you know, wine at the table if they're showing up at somebody's house. And um, if somebody is listening to the show and hosting and a beer fan, um, are, are there, I don't know, conversation starters that you've had or uh, ways of, of introducing beer to non beer drinkers at a, at a fancy setting that you found have, has, has worked. Um, you know, it's like most of the parties that I, I, I've attended on my own, you know, they've all been beer sharing parties. So it, there wasn't much wine involved, but, um, being in like a wine setting and trying to convert people over to trying beer versus wine, you know, it, it's a challenge. People are setting their, uh, setting their ways, but I think people, once they're in a, like a beer dinner, for example, like once they do try the different styles that you're pushing throughout the menu, I think they really get a good grasp on it. Jesse, in that same vein, you were talking, um, you know, about the brewing process and, and the relationship that it can have to, um, you know, to, to, to cooking meals. What are, you know, a few pointers that uh, you feel beer drinkers could share with, I don't want to say non-beer drinkers, but, you know, folks who might not be as into it as, 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 as we all are um, with, what's on the plate versus what's on the glass, uh, what's in the glass. Yeah. I think similar to what you guys were just talking about, as far as uh, wine and food pairing, if you, if you drink a, a, a wine with a meal, it can totally change the flavor of the wine and the meal. And if you get the wrong pairing, it can be an unpleasant experience. And I think that happens a lot in the beer world. I think folks don't really think about what kind of beer they're bringing to a party or what they're going to have with each meal. So if they like thinking it out and thinking about 
pound IPA pairs with a certain dish compared to a Saison or a Pale Ale or a Sour for that matter. And putting that forethought in it, I think would really increase the enjoyable experience for a lot of people who are trying to pair with beer, because I think there might be times where people are a little scared off of it because they did take a big gulp of an IPA with something and it like brought out the bitterness of the hops or it kind of changed the dish and, and it wasn't as pleasant as they'd like. Um, so are there, I don't know, are there ways of, of getting people back after doing that, that, that you found? I think so. I think it's talking about, you know, if, if you were going to have a beer dinner at your home and you were going to uh, try to have each part of the uh, part of the meal with a different beer is kind of introducing that to your guests when they first arrive. Hey, we're going to start out with this. It's light and go refreshing with that beer because I think a lot of people try to automatically navigate to the style of beer that they prefer and they don't realize that maybe that style just doesn't pair with the food. So just explaining that those steps along the way, like um, this is going to complement this dish or this is going to cleanse your palate after having that really fatty mac and cheese or, or Mornay or whatever it might have been. Saison uh, came up before. Uh, Josh was talking about uh, his turkey liver. And um, uh, I, I usually pour Saison on the Thanksgiving table just because or at the Thanksgiving, not on. That'd be a mess. Um, uh, but, you know... <laughs> Sorry, I got all tripped up uh, <laughs> thinking about placements of words and, and lack thereof. Saison um, is usually what I'm drinking um, at the table on, on, on Thanksgiving, um, just because I think it, uh, it, it can pair with a, with a variety of um, the more traditional dishes that are there. Um, is there a catch-all style that either of you think works well on a day like Thanksgiving? I do. I think um, brown ales are really good. I really enjoy uh, Bell's brown ale on Thanksgiving. Uh, I tried Stone's levitation ale. I thought that was uh, phenomenal. It has a nice uh, resinous and piney flavors that go great with the stuffing, the turkey, the gravy, and all of the all of those. Um, I think uh, Kentucky bourbon stouts definitely have their place. I like to end the meal with that going into the dessert course in the evening. Yeah, that's probably not one to drink during the parade. <laughs> yeah, I think for if you're trying to get something that's kind of well-rounded and it's going to go pretty well with a lot of things, I think something like like a simple like a pale ale or uh, some of the more mild hazy IPAs uh, play well with some of those dishes and it's not too overwhelming. Uh, but yeah, I, I like a nice Saison. I do like a, a darker brown beer or a porter um, of sorts with some of those uh, items. For turkey, honestly, I think our celebration IPA goes really well with uh, roasted turkey, but it can be a little complicated when you have all the other sides on the plate. So I think something kind of neutral is, is a good one for that kind of meal. Uh, can we start the petition on this show or uh, join in on one to get Porter uh, to come back? I would sign your petition. <laughs> okay. And Keller Weiss. Porter oh, and yes. Keller Weiss are the two that uh, uh, I'm 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 desperate to 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 see again um i can't promise that i'd buy enough to to keep the brewery afloat but i'd uh i'd, I'd certainly try um it's interesting to think about um a beer like celebration of which i was drinking over the weekend pairing with turkey because that's not can, can you go a little bit deeper on that because I'm, I'm i'm struggling in my mind to to feel how the two could connect 
don't, I feel like the, the, the malt in that uh, beer is, you know, a turkey is roasted. It's not as dark as like a beef or something like that. And it pairs pretty nicely. But when I drink the celebration, I get like citrus and pine. And a lot of times when I'm cooking my turkey, and maybe it depends on the way you're cooking your turkey, I, I loaded the cavity up with some oranges and I put rosemary and different things of that nature. And I just think it kind of pairs well with that flavor profile to me. And um, it's a little bit different and it's more complex than what you might think. Okay. I, I'm, I'm well stocked here at the house. So I'll have to, I'll have to try it that day. Uh, <laughs> Josh, uh, Jesse puts uh, rosemary and oranges in the cavity of her Turkey. How, what's your, what's your preferred? I actually need, I break down the turkey. Uh, we'll sous vide our turkey breast and the legs at different temperatures. Um, uh, we'll take the turkey tenderloins and we'll wrap them. Like we'll sous vide, sous vide them first at 150 degrees, wrap them in bacon, then we finish them off. And, you know, it's a whole different style. I've tried the turkey with, with the spatchcock style by breaking it down, laying the bird flat. And I like to use a combination of fennel seed and coriander and make a really nice spice rub that we roast off and grind and you know kind of gives it really more depth after when you're finishing it off um brine or no brine beforehand no, no brine jesse i'm a briner <laughs> okay i'm 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 gonna brine this year and i'm 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 nervous about it <laughs> I hear that the, the, the key is not for too long. You do like four to six hours. Yeah. For me, do you, like I've, I do mine usually like I'll start it in the afternoon, the day before and then pull it out. Then, you know, actually I like to do mine two days before because I like to pull it out of the brine almost 24 hours in advance. So it kind of the skin dries a little bit, but um, I'll do mine for 12 to 24 hours, depending on uh, how much salt content and everything I have in the brine. Okay. And then just right into the fridge uh, to, to chill uncovered uh, to get that, that skin where you yes. want it. Mm -hmm. All right. Maybe I'll do that. That's the, I'm, 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 I also called you guys here to help me uh, walk through my, my, my Thanksgiving meal um, as well. You brought up Jesse before uh, hazy IPA and, uh, or hazy pale. And Josh, I, I know from drinking with you that you're a fan of, that particular style where do you see that fitting in food pairing wise uh, a, a hazy pail because it's something that i struggle with yeah it's uh, definitely you know it, it takes some time to figure it out you know it's like i make regular trips up the treehouse so that you know they're they're known for their hazies and you know i think it pairs well i think they pick the right food trucks to come in when they're you know selling their beer there but i think it goes really well with like crunchy foods could work well on Thanksgiving with like crispy turkey skin. I make this excellent version of like a French style stuffing that I learned when I was in Europe uh, called Patranque. And it's just made with leftover uh, day old bread, bacon and cheese. So the hazy fits really in well with those flavors. And it also goes really good with, um, I would say grilled asparagus with the hollandaise and stuffed artichokes, possibly with a uh, crab and any style of cheese of your liking. Jesse, yeah. what about you? Because I know Hazy Little Thing has become the darling of the brewery in the last couple of years. So I imagine there's been a lot of food thought around it. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like Hazy IPA, IPAs are similar to a traditional IPA, but I feel like they're a little bit more forgiving due to the mild bitterness and the smooth mouthfeel. 
So I think you could think about some of those traditional IPA pairings, but it's not going to be as much of a contrast. I do agree with him with the salty fried foods. I think it's really nice. goes very nicely with a hazy IPA. And then I was thinking the same thing, like really creamy Mornay based um, dishes or something like a, a nice fatty sauce on it because it kind of just cuts through that. Um, I think it also does pretty well with like some uh, like Mexican and Indian food in the traditional aspect of how IPA might play with those flavors as well. Really? Did, mm-hmm. uh, how much does the hop bill play into that? Because I know Citra and Mosaic are the two that, that most people go for, but um, are there other hop varieties that you've come across that you think stand out or do those two right sort of fit that fit 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 that 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 uh, uh that pairing model that you just discussed and that that one's hard to say i feel like those are pretty pretty traditional there um let's see i was thinking um i'm not really sure to tell you the truth i feel like those those <laughs> two do play really well there i think that when you think about that mexican indian like um spicy components with the ipas it really brings out the hops in those I, f- I feel like those pairings are a little bit more for the folks that are advanced in beer pairings and, and enjoy beer because it can intensify that beer. And it also intensifies the spice and the elements of those dishes. So I think that's more of one of my, what I would suggest a more complex beer drinker. Gotcha. Um, Josh, when you were talking about some of the pairings as well, um, I'm, I'm wondering when you're tasting through beers how many different elements of a final beer product do you look for when thinking about a pairing? You know, is it just one strong thing, one subtle thing? Is it a group of things? Um, what's a what's a sweet spot for discovering a you know the the the, the first building block for a good pairing? I think the first building block for a good pairing is finding that one strong ingredient. Like if you're using oysters, for example, you know, they're already salty. So you want to try to find something that works well with that product. Um, That's one thing you would try to find something more like champagne, like in a beer style. Um, You know, if you're getting into like cheeses, you know, you, you can try to cheeses have a whole thing of their own where, you know, if you're having a really nice, like crystallized cheddar, you might want to, pair like you know something a little bit darker with that i think but um that's kind of where i usually start off with the building blocks jesse what about you because i i I love that you were talking about getting together with scott and um designing a beer and designing a dish together starting at the same time um what's that building block what's that first one yeah i agree i think that a lot of times we start with a beer first because beer takes much longer correct (laughs) um and um (laughs) So we start with the hops and we think about what the notes of the beer is going to be. Um, and then we also talk about the style of beer because just like uh, Josh just said, you, even though there you might get some piney floral notes um, out of a, you know, an IPA, it may not be the best beer to pair with like a delicate fish. So we look at the style, we look at the, the complementing hops and the, um, the malt that's going into it. And then we can build from there and, decide what's going to be the best dish to pair with that where what have you two been working on recently that you can share publicly Hmm. 
in the food scene or outside the food scene, John? Well, no, I meant I meant Jesse with um uh with 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 Scott and the beer. But I mean, while she's thinking about that, Josh, what what's on your mind? I've been working a lot, like with brisket. You know, we're like different styles of cooking brisket. We like I, I'm sure Jesse might have a combi oven down there, but we don't have one at the space I'm working at. So I got to travel around the different properties. So trying to get like a perfect 20 hour brisket's been, uh, you know, it's been it's been a real fun venture, and I think we really have it dialed in. And then we get to finish it off with like I've been using peach wood to finish some stuff off, so it kind of gives it some nice, interesting, like sweeter flavors and. That's that's been a pretty cool project I've been working on up here. Um, what would you pair with that beer wise? I thought it went really well with the the Bell's Brown Brown. I thought I really liked that uh, pairing. Cool. Um, Jesse, did that provide enough cover to? Uh... Yeah, um, we actually <laughs> um, we kind of had a you know take a step back to some of our uh, events here over the past couple of years, just because of the pandemic and everything. But we are actually, we had a meeting uh, um, a month or so ago to talk to Scott and uh, the other uh, brewery team about bringing back beer dinners. And we're working on dates and we're working on uh, information, but I am excited to say that we, we look forward to having posting a, a two or three of them next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're working on that and trying to decide, you know, what the theme's going to be, if it's going to be like by the season, like if we're going to do some nice new spring dishes or if we're going to be featuring farmers, which we love to cook local here and, and support our local farmers. Um, so we're kind of in the building blocks for uh, next year and, and bringing back some of those cool little things that we were doing before the pandemic. Josh, I know you cook seasonally um, quite oh, yeah. a bit, having access to a garden. Um I, I I know there's comfort in reliability, in familiarity um, of you know, a year-round offering, but um, from a from a chef standpoint, what's the excitement for a limited season, for a limited menu, for um, you know, really embracing what's happening in the world uh, around us at that time, rather than out of season. Well, yeah, this whole seasonal approach is things change by the day, depending on the weather, you know, you can get a unexpected frost, uh, you know, you have to know what foods in the ground when it's got to come out of the ground. Um, For me, foraging is a big factor as well. As you know, I go out and pick a lot of mushrooms, you know, I'm usually good for a couple hundred pounds a year. So I incorporate a lot of mushrooms into my dishes. I preserve them, save them for special occasions. And, you know, they kind of have, mushrooms got an interesting flavor, but um, back to the garden, you know, it's like our, our orchard had a terrible, we had a dry year. So the orchard really didn't produce much fruit. So it was, I had to get really creative being that we host the dinners in the garden of what kind of desserts I can put into play. So I used a lot of like zucchini and carrots in my desserts this year, which was pretty fun to work with. Cool. Jesse, what about you um, seasonality? Because obviously the beer industry is driven by my seasonals and there's always a, you know, what's new, what's rare, what's local kind of mentality that, that, that still exists um, in and around beer. Um, what are the fun challenges if they are fun for you all in the kitchen when it comes to the calendar? Well, you know, we tend to have a lot of similar seasonal beers come every year. So we've gotten used to like, you know, celebration season, narwhal season, 
or we're going to have the lighter beers in the spring and stuff like that. As far as seasonality with food, um, the way I think about it is it's still like sometimes like the only choice. Like when I have my farmer who's a couple miles down the road bring me tomatoes that he picks that morning, there's no taste comparison with that tomato than there is from the one that traveled from halfway across the country because it's out of season, you know? So I think that like really looking at the ingredients and sourcing them and using them when they're at their finest and freshest is why food is can be so much better, you know, when you cook seasonally. Mm-hmm. And you also really don't have to put as much effort in manipulating the food to make it taste as good. I like to cook simply and to cook simply, you have to start with really good ingredients. I, I love that idea of cooking simply. And I wonder, has beer and food pairings become, have they become too complicated in recent years? I mean, I think about, you know, uh, this, this book, I did the American craft beer cookbook in 2012, where it was still very much soups and stews and, you know, what you'd think of as pub food. And then, you know, the, the craft brewery cookbook, which came out this year, um, is a little bit more advanced um, than that. And it, it's been interesting to see the evolution of beer and food, but is there is there something to be said for simplicity? Um, I think that it's not necessarily that people are complicating it or it's uh, evolving into something that's not simple. I think people are just learning how to use the beer. You know, I think um, before it was always throw it in the braise or do it in the rub or add it to the chili. But it's like now, what's it like in a vinaigrette? Or how do we make this a part of our, you know, Bourbonc? Instead of a Bourbonc, it's a, you know, a beer-based butter sauce. And I think that it's just really an evolution of learning to cook with an ingredient and pair with it. Josh, what about you? Yeah, I feel the same way. It was um, interesting. Like we did something starting off the dinner in our garden. We're actually still doing dinners in our garden at the moment. And it's just been a phenomenal fall going into the winter. And, you know, it's just like we have a really good heat source where we pump in heat underneath our deck where we host the garden dinners. But uh, yeah, trying different, like I I made this local sausage and like cheese dip and kind of deglazed it with like a really nice porter. And it was just phenomenal. And, you know, the guests went nuts about it. So yeah, putting beer in the food, but going back to it, you know, I I think more people are finding beer more refreshing than wine these days. And I'm starting to see that trend go in that direction. And I, you know, just, um, I think it's going to be an interesting transition because more and more people are kind of asking to see beer list first wine list. Oh, that's, that's heartening to hear. Um, when it comes to cooking with beer, um, Jesse, what have you learned that works and maybe what should be avoided? I've learned a lot. (laughs) Honestly, I did not have a career of cooking with beer before I came to Sierra Nevada. You know, it's classically French trained. You know, what we use in French training is wine. So uh, (laughs) it was a, it's been an awesome learning curve. I've learned about temperature. Uh, Just like when you brew a beer, when you get over a certain temperature, the bitterness of the hops comes out. So when I'm cooking with beer, I have to think about that. Like what part of the dish do I bring that into to make sure that I'm not going to add too many bitter units to my beer? I think about, you know, the flavors of the beer um, and how to just kind of like really 
harness that flavor because sometimes the beer will get lost too if you put it in an overcomplicated dish and you add your beer then you know is it really being a the star of the show so really the, the biggest thing i've learned about beer is monitoring the temperature and thinking about when you're putting it into your dish josh anything to to add on on cooking with beer yeah that's a good call what, what uh jesse said um you know i have a european background as well but one of the dishes that i was working on when i was i I lived in France for about a year and, you know, we used to do this beer braised beef dish and trying to keep the temperature. So you want to keep the temperature a little bit lower and you get the complexity when you're using like onions and garlic and it kind of all marry together. But if I was doing like a beer and cheddar soup, for instance, you know, I try to find something more like a yingling, something with that amber like flavor to it. Just something that kind of sticks with the cheese and the cheddar. Has there been... Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Jessica. Um, I'm sorry. I was just going to add to that a little bit. Yeah. So like you're cooking with a beer and then doing a braise or something that nature is a little bit more forgiving. But if you're deglazing a pan, then you're going to go for those beers that have a, a lower IBU, uh, lower uh, bitterness uh, units. Um, and that's just kind of like because we've done mussels before and we used to have, what was that beer's name? That we used to have Nooner. That was great for that because it was. Oh, yeah. Like the Pilsner. Super- yeah, it wasn't super hoppy, but it added those beer notes and different things of that nature. But so that's kind of like you, you have to look at the style of beer in the IBUs and everything as you're planning that dish out. That makes sense. Um, is there is there anything – you're both classically trained um, and, and have, um, you know, stellar backgrounds. Um, is there anything that beer – can't do or pair with is there is there anything where i i i've always been a firm believer that beer um you know 10 times out of 10 is going to do better at a dinner uh than wine but i'm admittedly biased um is there anything where can't stand up i don't think so i think there's a, a really really good place there's so many different styles and like you know like you said we've done a lot of these dinners together um i remember like back when Farron adria in spain he was like trying to create a beer that went well with the asparagus and artichokes and that was the estrella dam and that that was one of my favorite beers all of time i don't i don't think it's made anymore but there's so many like interesting styles out there that could pair with pretty much almost anything. I haven't seen things that clash and I've been really surprised on certain beers that work well with certain things. I agree. Way to I, I pander. Think that, I'm sorry. I agree. No, I think it's I'm been a teasing, challenge yeah. uh, sometimes. You're, it, it, put, it gives you more of a challenge because you fall back on those, what you know, and what you know a lot of time is like how does food pair with you know, wine or, or something else. So you have to just think differently. And I think it's, there's not anything that I've come across that I couldn't figure out how to, how to pair or how to cook with it without, you know, digging in and figuring out, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, you helped me with the, with the hazy IPA, which I've struggled with. The other one that I've, I've, the other style that I've been struggling with um, is kettle sours. Hmm. Have have you had Jesse any any luck in the kitchen with with that particular style and a and a pairing that works? You know, sours are fun. They're very, they're unusual when it comes to pairing. Um, I like to taste one first, but you know that's half the fun, right? right. <laughs> so 
due to the nature of the sours and the brewers having fun with the ingredients, sometimes it's hard to group them into a tasting category. Um, if I were going to go with my gut, I'd pair a sour with heavier foods, where I know the sourness would be uh, a welcome palate cleanser between bites. Um, and just due to their traditionally fruity flavors, they pair well, I feel like, with cheese plates and certain desserts. I think that you can't just kind of group them into their own category. I think you have to take it beer by beer and, and, and figure out what, what's going to be the best accompaniment for it. Josh, have you had any luck with uh, with sours? Good call on that. I'm not a huge fan of sours, but I found the few that I like. But I do particularly like sours with uh, cheese plates and some of the, like, the sides that go with cheese plates. I think – Going with the, like a sour and like a salty thing, like you know, aged cheeses from Vermont, for instance, or a creamier cheese like a triple cream brie. You know, it's it's kind of an interesting pairing. I think sours work well with like mozzarella, like a, a burrata style mozzarella. So, yeah, kind of that's kind of my take on it. But usually, I wouldn't pick a sour to pair with something. Okay, I have been asking folks on the show for the last uh, little while now, the green door question. Um, and the, and the premise is this, there's a television show called the good place. And in the final season of the show, they introduce a, the concept of a green door that you can walk through and be anywhere um, at any point in time with, you know, whoever you want to be with. And so if there was a green door on our plane of existence and this conversation ended and you could walk through it, and be at any bar or brewery anywhere in the world with anybody that you wanted to be, where would you go? Who would you be with? And what would you want to be drinking? And Jesse, I'll start with you. Oh Lord. Uh, that's a hard one to answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of information. Um, I don't know. Um, when I think of a green door, ugh, I have to think about that. That's hard. Um, Josh, do you have an answer loaded up? I I could give you a handful of names, but I would probably settle in at Hill Farmstead with a bunch of my Vermont friends and, you know, sit, sit out in their beautiful deck overlooking the valleys and enjoy a bunch of their classic beers and bottles. And I think we'd have a great time. What What would you put food pairing wise with it, with that? With uh, that? They do a lot of farm inspired things and being, if we could bring our own product with us, you know, I'd go in right on the deck and enjoy it with friends, family, and, you know, really enjoy the afternoon. We spent a lot of time up there in the Northeast kingdom and, you know, they put out some phenomenal beer. Jesse, did that buy you enough time? Maybe, maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's so hard for me. Um, I honestly would love to, I don't know if it's like a specific brewery or whatever, but I would mm -hmm. love to, you know, just go over into um, somewhere that like still like doing the really traditional like um, monk style uh, brewing and like kind of watch the excitement. Like I think of Europe and how they really classify food and they're very strict about how they do things and, because in America, we do have a lot of freedom with the way we create food, but some of the, the traditional names of things and different stuff like that gets muddied because we're, we don't have any of those particular laws. But mm -hmm. I can see myself somewhere like eating some awesome crusty bread and drinking a nice uh, Belgium-style beer. I, I love Belgium-style beer. That's one of my favorites. Um, 
I just don't know if I could give you the specific name or place. Well, uh, we'll we're going to have to add uh, Ovala back to the um, yes. to the petition as well for. Mm-hmm. Um, basically it's all of the great beers of Sierra Nevada's past need to come back. Um, <laughs> we'll put Ruthless Rye on there as well. And there could be like a whole different brewery that just makes great nostalgic beers. We should I ask Mr. Grossman about that. we just had Ruthless Rye in a variety oh. pack recently. No, really? So from time to time, they are bringing a few of those back. You just kind of have to catch them when they, when they come along. And I'm not sure how much more of that they have left over, but. It is oh, kind of exciting man. to see those and people go crazy, you know, like that was a great beer. It was a mm-hmm. really wonderful, wonderful beer back in the day. And um, I must have missed the media announcement that it was in a variety pack. That's um, <laughs> that's on me. And I'll 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 live with that regret. Um, this is the uh, the season of, uh, of of giving thanks. So I'm going to I'm going to say that I'm extremely grateful to the two of you for spending time on the podcast this week and sharing insights about beer and food. I think you gave us all a lot to be thinking about as we uh, prepare to open up some good bottles and and, and share some good meals and uh, nice conversation with each other. So um, Jesse and, and Josh, thanks for, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks a lot, John. Quick correction. I will point out that Ruthless Rye was in a limited six pack, not actually a variety pack, but still let's get that petition going. What beer is going to be on your holiday table? You can let me know by emailing John Hall, that's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L, at allaboutbeer.com, or you can share your thoughts on Twitter at John underscore Hall. All About Beer is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can follow along there at All About Beer. And of course, This Week in Rauk Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search, and on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Beer. We're able to bring you this show each week thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you'd like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to info at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that, this episode is brought to you by Pro Brewer. We're bringing original articles to probrewer.com twice a week, covering issues that are important to the beer industry and that are aimed at helping breweries of all sizes understand different facets of the business. You can check out our articles on probrewer.com every Tuesday and Thursday and visit the site daily for other original content and to stay connected with the beer industry. Finally, All About Beer has a podcast channel now. Search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Don't forget, Still This Beer has new episodes every Monday and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. And go visit allaboutbeer.com. As for this show, Nate Schweber does the music. Jeff Quinn designed our logo. Gobble, gobble. I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday. And that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer. <laughs>